0: Hi, welcome to Paperback Readers.
1: I'm Joe. That's Julie, and I'll have a ton to talk about this time around. But we'll review what we read anyway.
0: Yeah, sounds good. You can go first. Well,
1: it won't be a long conversation. I've got several that I'm close on, uh, but the only one that I'm able to talk about, other than share is the philosophy of modern song by Bob Dylan, with this fetching picture of Little Richard and two other people who I don't recognize on the front cover.
0: Why? Why are they on the front cover?
1: I don't know. It's like that. The, I mean, flip through and show you, it's a wonderful collection of images in this book, which is one of the great weird things about it. But it's Bob Dylan, so there are a million great weird things about it.
0: Okay, you have been so excited about this book, and you've been waiting for it for ages. And yet, when you started it, you told me two things, which is, the two things are that you love it, and I won't.
1: Yes. (laughs) That sums it up pretty well. It's Dylan's first book since... Chronicles, which was in 2004, unbelievably, Uh, and it's commentaries on 66 songs, not his songs, other people's songs, and sometimes the commentary is just a riff on the particular song, sometimes he uses the song as a jumping off point to go into a thematic thing, sometimes he does both, some of these are like five sentences long. Some of them go on and on for pages.
0: It sounds very much like his uh, theme time radio hour.
1: Well, and people have speculated that this came out of that. Because, yeah, some of this reads kind of like his riffs that he would go into on the show, except they tend to be much longer, so...
0: I wish he would have done the audiobook for this. I think he I did would've... do some of it. Oh, oh he I He didn't see? do
1: all of it, but he did some of it.
0: I might listen to that because the best part of Theme Time Radio Hour was how he, like, the inflections in his voice. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, he, he did some of it. I haven't heard it, but there are about six different celebrities. At least one was a woman. I think maybe Jeff Bridges did some of it. Oh, gosh. I mean, just, just, because, again, there's 66 songs. Each one is separate from itself, so... You know They divided it up in, in some way. Maybe there were six of them, and they each did 11. That would work out mathematically. Interesting. But it's an interesting group of songs. The book has been criticized a little bit for, I don't know how to put this, casual misogyny would probably be the best way to say it. There are not a ton of songs in here by women, and in his comments on the songs, Dylan can get a little heavy-handed. His comments on, for instance, the Eagles' witchy woman, Uh, were yeah, it's it's a little creepy, but it's sometimes hard to separate the subject matter of the song from his feelings on the song. So
0: that's interesting. I'm skimming through the title list here, and yeah, I can see that you're right.
1: Everything from old folk songs to Elvis Costello. Most of them are old. Most of them are men's songs. Um,
0: Yeah, they're all. I don't see any that are new.
1: No, again, the Elvis Costello song is one of very few. There are and few... Elvis
0: Costello music just sounds old.
1: Yeah. Some of these I had no idea. I did not know what the whiff and poof song is. And his...
0: what, is what is dirty life and times?
1: I don't know, but it sounds great, doesn't it? <laughs> so anyway, if, if you like crazy old Bob Dylan, and if you had your Thanksgiving and thought... I wonder what Thanksgiving would be like if I was sitting here having this turkey with crazy old Bob Dylan. You can just read this in your head in your crazy old Bob Dylan voice and you get a pretty good idea of probably what it's like.
0: And if you have a really good crazy old Bob Dylan voice, we need to hear it, please.
1: We really do. You may be an (laughs) all-time guest. I may just write copy and let you read my comments.
0: (laughs) All right. I'm glad that you have enjoyed the book anyway.
1: That's a good one. And there are some good ones in the hopper. I'm uh, firing on through my Benjamin Harrison biography Look and, at you and uh, Dirk Hayhurst book I've really enjoyed <laughs> and and there, you know there's there's a few to talk about, but uh, the book I think I mentioned last time, but if not, I'm doing one too on Beethoven's Ninth Symphony. but anyway,
0: you are a man of many interests.
1: I try to be. I try to to branch out and be at least unpredictable in my predictability, so there is right.
0: that. Well, I branched out a little bit this week from my like typical comfort reads that I have been reading, and as a result, I did not really like most of what I read <laughs> <laughs> for these two weeks. They were fine. There was nothing that I read that I hated, but there was very little that I read for these last two weeks that I was like, yes, those are going to be five-star books for me. The first one was called We Are the Light by Matthew Quick. This was a really good book, a really fast read. It was a book of the month for November. Um, In it, the main character, his first person point of view, as he writes um, letters to his Jungian analyst, um, whom he is desperately trying to get an appointment with again after a tragedy has occurred in their local movie theater, which you quickly learn from these letters, took the main character's wife, I cannot remember his name, I'm sorry, It took the main character's wife and it also took the wife of this young young analyst and many other people in the town. So it is a story of trying to heal. He's trying to put himself back together without the help of the man who was helping him be put together and also make sense of this tragedy and his role in it for which he is revered as a hero in the town, but he doesn't feel like much of a hero. And then one day he looks out into the backyard and a young man has set up a tent out there. And it is this young man that helps him start to turn things around. So it actually was just, it was a really good book. Um, ultimately very hopeful, very uplifting, very inspiring. Also just very, very sad. Mm-hmm. Um, worthwhile book. I would recommend it. I think it's worth reading. It just was not where I was exceptionally when I read it. So...
1: The deceased Youngie and Analysts would be a good rock band name, by the way. They would get in the Dylan book.
0: It would, yeah. He would like that one. Mm -hmm. Then I read Feed These People by Jen Hatmaker, which is a cookbook. And I don't generally read my cookbooks. I just cook from them. But this one had lots of just funny little mini essays with every single recipe in the book. I read several of them out loud to you. They really were hilarious. They were very funny. Unfortunately, we did not like the cookbook. We... We well, chose two recipes. I think recipes. the fault
1: was on us on at least one. I don't well, know. If not on us, it wasn't on her, let's put it that way. I don't on know, because
0: we we made both of the recipes exactly like she said to, but they did not taste very good.
1: But one of them I think it was an ingredient issue. And
0: maybe though. so, maybe, but, but I don't, still- <laughs> yeah, yeah. It I don't still know. wasn't it was still the right ingredient. It just wasn't her particular brand and it was not it wasn't great. I mean, none of them were bad. No, we weren't they, like poisoned by no, it. No, and was they fine. didn't. They didn't taste terrible. They just didn't taste fantastic either. And so, we were we we wouldn't be cooking from it again. But it was worth a read. Better to you, read than to cook from. If you like to read about food, the recipes were very fun to read about. So. then I read "Have I Told You This Already?" by Lauren Graham, who is Lorelai Gilmore, of course. This is her book, another of her books of essays which I love books of essays, I love Gilmore Girls, I love Lauren Graham. This was just a really light, fun, pleasant read, really quick to get through. You read some of this one to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think uh, if you have not read any of her essays before, her first book of essays is probably a little bit better, but there is definitely nothing wrong with this one whatsoever if you are at all interested in her or the show. The next one I read is Now is Not the Time to Panic. By Kevin Wilson. I haven't read anything by Oh,
1: well, this was a great concept. Yeah, I remember you talking about this. Yeah. But.
0: I haven't read anything by Kevin Wilson before, although he's had numerous popular books. Um oh, I can see one of the other ones of his. I can see the cover of it. It's got like a kid on fire on the front of it. Yeah, um, that one stick with you. <laughs> yeah. But I'd never I'd never read any of it. Yeah, it's called Nothing to See here. That's the one with the Kid on Fire. You are pulling the stuff up on the phone. Yes. Okay, so now is not the time to panic, is um, these two teenagers who meet up in this tiny little town. I want to say it's in Virginia, maybe. It's called Coalfield. Um, The specific state did not stand out to me, although I was cracked up at the end that she lives in Bowling Green, Kentucky, which is (laughs) kind of different. Um, Anyway... So they are both lonely teenagers. She is a native of Coalfield. He is a transplant from Memphis, just there for the summer. He is an illustrator. He draws. She is a writer. She's been writing a um, book based on the Nancy Drew mysteries. And the two of them meet up that summer, become friends, and they decide that they are going to create something together. She writes the words. He draws the pictures. They post it all over town, kind of like graffiti artists tagging. And then the thing takes on a life of its own and quickly spirals out of their control. So it was a really interesting kind of book about how much of the art that we make do we actually get a say in? How much do we get to put some commentary on? And how much does it belong to the people who consume it? Um, A question which, you know, has never definitively been answered. But I really thought that this book was an interesting way of attempting to show some kind of an answer and the way that different people react to it. Now, I taught English for so many years and I used to tell my students sometimes, people say, oh, the author meant this by this book. And how can you, did you ask the author? You don't know. And really, is it important so much what the author meant by it than what it is that you took out of it? And that is really at the heart of this book.
1: Well, and it's funny that you read this when you did because you may not even remember this, but like a week or two ago, I read a column where somebody was asking Michael Stipe from R.E.M. about meanings of his songs, and he said, my opinion is the least important one. I mean, I I can tell you what it meant to me, but I don't even want to because it really is about what does it mean to its audience. and, And My particular experience or interpretation really is is the least important one. I thought that was such a wild answer, but there you go.
0: The synopsis was really what drew me in and then kept me reading the whole book. There were parts of it that I found disturbing, parts of it that I kind of found just very strange, but ultimately I really enjoyed reading a book that was built around this premise. The last thing I read I just finished like 20 minutes ago. And it's called...
1: You add one as as you're waiting to record. I love this.
0: <laughs> well, you were slow. We could have done this already, and then I wouldn't have finished it. All right, it's called You Have a Match. It's by Emma Lord. She is a young adult author. She wrote books like Tweet Cute and, um, oh, another one I can't remember the title of. Um, but they're young adult books. They're uh, Tweet Cute is set in New York City. The one I can't remember is set in New York City. This one is set mostly in a summer camp. Okay, you're going to look her up for me. Tweet Cute is the one I just said. When you get the chance. There you go. Um, she writes about teenagers who have really strong, passionate hobbies. I really like that. I think that's really fun. Yeah. She also writes with a strong sense of place. I enjoyed um, like Tweet Cute and I enjoyed When You Get the Chance because of their strong setting in New York City. In this one, the idea at the beginning of the book, the main character is friends with Connie and Leo. They've been a trio their entire lives, and Leo desperately wants to know about his ancestry. Um, He's Filipino, and so he takes a DNA test. He convinces her to take a DNA test. His comes back really pretty much revealing nothing he didn't already know. He's disappointed with it. Hers comes back with a message from a girl who says, Hey, I got flagged. We're sisters and she's um you know a junior in high school just ending up her junior year it's shocking to her that her parents of course would have kept this a secret from her for her whole life she meets up with this girl and they decide you know very parent trappily <laughs> to meet up at summer camp and get to know each other and try to figure out what happened uh cuz they're they're only a year apart how could her oh. parents have given up this one child and kept the other and then it comes out that their parents actually knew each other. So lots of secrets. There's a sweet little love story in um, the book as well. But mostly it's a story about figuring out who you are, how you fit into a family, and um, how the people we care about can help us to be the best versions of ourselves. Um, This one I actually really did like. I just love young adult literature, and I really like Emma Lord. I think she's a really, really fun author to read.
1: No, I always butcher the distinction between young adult and uh, again remind me what are what are the genre classifications last <laughs> right, i so committed egregious error here
0: young adult is really written more for teenagers like 13 and above like you're going on up into high school it's going to handle more mature themes um middle grades is for more you know like nine to twelve ish you know they're they're just moving into okay. the more adult themes the book that we read that is our shared read, which is called No Fixed Address by Susan Nielsen, was um, chosen for our daughter's book club at school, which is generally more of a middle grades kind of book. But this one also like like that's the kind of books that they choose. But this one really tackled some truly adult themes and situations, some just very mature issues in this book. So I don't I don't know which one this one should technically be classified in. I guess probably still middle grades because of the careful way in which they handled them.
1: No, I don't know. I think you could make the argument either direction. But uh, I, this was a very engrossing uh, novel. It, it is more mature than than you would expect a book to be for its age. And and yet-, yet
0: there are kids who are 12 years old, just like Felix in this book, who are experiencing the same kinds of things. No fixed address from the title, probably let you know. Felix is homeless. He and his mom live in a van. Um, He has been warned to keep this a secret so that the uh, Canadian version of the Child Protective Services will not come and take him away. His mom, as a child, um, was in the foster care system there for some time and um, came away kind of just traumatized by it. And she is terrified of anybody taking away her son, but she can't hold down a job. She also does not want to ask anyone for help. And so Felix is trying to navigate friendships, his school, without letting his close and very good friends know what his living situation is like, without letting his teachers know, and also while formulating this massive plan to save him and his mom through his participation in a game show.
1: Yeah, and this, this book feels like it could be a movie very easily. Oh, it really does. His friends are so sweet and the people in the community. I yeah, I don't want to throw out a lot of spoilers, but
0: it, it is a book about community.
1: It, it is, and the small kindnesses that otherwise oblivious people will will pour out on each other and on the least among us.
0: When you take just a minute to see somebody.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, ju- just just uh, a page turner. It moved very quickly. I can't necessarily recommend it for very young readers because no. of some of the subject matter. I, I mean, uh, you probably want to be 12 or 13 before you read a book like this, if not even maybe a little older. But uh, um, that said, you know, one that, that I think would benefit anybody. And, and yeah, like I say, it's it's enough of a fast-moving page-turner-of-a-story that uh, that I can totally see this as a movie.
0: Well, Felix is such a hopeful kid, too. He doesn't let anything get him down if he can help it. He really fights to believe in his mom, to believe in a better future. And one of the things that I think that the book did really well was without seeming scary, without instilling fear just really showing there, but for the grace of God, you know, that this is not something that just happens to people who are screw ups, that lots of people are just a little bit away from something like that. A
1: series of of bad luck and suboptimal choices and...
0: Which all of us make. Sure, of course.
1: Uh, Yeah, the the line is probably thinner than it's been. in the world for a long time between the have-and-have-nots, and and you could easily end up on the wrong side of it. But, uh, yeah, the the hope comes out of it. Um, It's such a a wrestle for this kid with the naivete and the hopefulness of youth going head-butted up against things that no young person should know, should have to know, should have to understand and the way that, that this just descent into a loss of hope just goes one breakdown of a barrier at a time. You start out doing this, and then you say, well, maybe I have to do that. And then you're sleeping in the house as a squatter, and then you're stealing from somebody else. You know, it's just heartbreaking. And yet Felix is such a, a good, relatable narrator uh, that that you stick with the story anyway. It doesn't. Bogged down the way it could and be saccharine or maudlin. Uh, it, it's pretty, pretty great stuff.
0: It stayed really real while at the same time feeling very relatable and very empathetic. His mom, Astrid, whom he only ever called Astrid for a variety of reasons, I really felt for her too. Yeah, you know, yeah. at the beginning of the story when he's explaining why she doesn't let him call her mom, and I really wasn't sure if I was going to like Astrid or not. But Astrid was just very sympathetic. Your heart broke for her as well. Mm -hmm. You wanted things to work out. You wished you could help.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I am curious, as to Susan Nielsen's other novels, which are apparently not... For the young or as she terms it for older readers huh. so optimists die first and we are all made of molecules both great titles i have to give her that <laughs> Optimists die
0: least. first does not sound hopeful well it has <laughs> this great
1: looking cover it
0: really does but with the skulls and crossbones yeah like crocheted or yeah exactly <laughs>
1: right but but they're they're not
0: cross-stitched onto <laughs> the cover yeah it looks like
1: they're not freaky it's like something, something your
0: grandma might have yeah. made except it's piratey
1: it says optimists die first
0: worth checking out i think for sure um if you have any thoughts about what we've read this week these past two weeks or anything else that you think we should read please let us know our next read is going to be i talked about it last time demon copperhead by barbara kingsolver and because it is based on davy copperfield i always want to call it demon copperfield
1: (laughs) david copperhead yeah we There's can do all kinds of mashups no there. way
0: i'm gonna have this right by the time we get it done um anyway it's coming in for you and in two weeks we'll be talking about that with you so feel free to reach out and let us know your thoughts on that one as well you can find us at paperback at gmail.com instagram at paperback readers pod or on twitter at paperbackreaderspod. readers pod
1: always love hearing from you guys and hope everybody's doing well had a good uh thanksgiving and that Christmas hustle and bustle still allows you some time to stop, pick up a book or tune in an audio whatever you want but in any case, keep reading